Hello and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats cast number 101. This cast is always sponsored by GatheringMagic.com and CoolStuffInc.com who have partnered with us to give away free $25 gift certificates. If you stay tuned until the end of this episode, you can find out how you can win a gift certificate for free. With free shipping on orders of $100 or more, a sweet 25% BIOS bonus, and plenty of Magic the Gathering singles available, CoolStuffInc.com is the store for all of your Magic the Gathering needs. I'm joined this week, of course, with my co-host, Travis Allen of MTG Price and Scry.Land, Jim Casali of Modern Nexus and Cool Stuff Inc. as well, and Gathering Magic, I guess you could say now, and Ed Wynn of Not Kerwin's Game Store. Uh, how are you guys doing this week? Do you just make up new jobs for us every week? Yes. It would appear that way. I guess they're doing fine. Uh, you know, a hundred mm. episodes into it, still haven't perfected the intro, but that's uh, that's part of it. I uh, I'm doing well. I have a dog cam this week. We've got a new addition to the family here, so he's going to be joining us on cast today, so he doesn't get into any trouble. <clears throat> does he have a name? He does not. No name yet. He'll get one. Soren. Yeah. Soren. You, should name, you should name him Ed because he looks like all of Ed's emojis. <laughs> Maybe Soren. I'll tell Leanne, see what she says. It's not a bad name. Anyway, um, there's Grand Prix coming up. Battle Bond is releasing. We never really covered anything in Battle Bond, at least as far as I was on the cast for. I don't know what you guys talked about last week after I left. Hopefully it was good material. Um no clue. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, and then other than that, there's there's really not much going on. We're getting into that summer lull where prices start to peak and people generally start watching BIOS go down on stuff towards the end of the year. Um, Ed, is there anything you want to add with your lovely audio from the lounge? Uh, not really. I think as people start ramping up towards... Uh, GP Las Vegas in was it a week and a half at this point? Um, I mean, I think there's definitely a lot of speculation going on. Um, duels have reached an all-time high in case anyone's living under a rock. Um, I think it's going to continue to climb. Uh, they're getting harder and harder to find. Uh, like we're seeing, we're seeing like underground scenes, like. $800 that's listed on FTG Goldfish is a little bit misleading. It shouldn't be that much, but um, it would surprise me if we see Bylas trend upwards. Um, other than that, duel, other duels will probably fall uh, suit Melon afterwards. Uh, Volcanic will probably be next. I wouldn't, surprise, I wouldn't be surprised to see that in like the $600 range. Um, Dominator is kind of down. Modern stables are kind of down across the board. Um, a lot of prices will probably start stabilizing after GP Vegas. Once <clears throat> once people start slowing down on the amount of money they're willing to, to put in. Um, it'll just, like, in another week or so, we'll probably start seeing uh, kind of the... Um, this, the quarter two slowdown that's just kind of very typical this time of year. Other than that, um, Battle Bond is kind of interesting. I think we have yet to see kind of what uh, 
how how it'll affect the market with all the reprints. But there's probably a lot of equity to be had if you're willing to maybe go deep. This I could potentially see like a conspiracy two type effect where not a lot of it was open up, not a lot of it was available, and then the cards that were good, like the true nemesis, the labels, the expropriates, those just cards just got monstrously expensive because there's just no supply on the market. And just when you thought Ed's audio couldn't get any worse from the last month, we decided to hit you guys with this audio. So you all are welcome. Ed has uh, rewarded you all with just the just the the best uh, content. Yeah, I am. In case anyone's wondering, I'm at JFK. I'm sitting in the Delta Sky Club. I'm about to depart in like an hour, and there are just like a million people here. So, so what you guys are hearing is probably just the obnoxious background noise. Nothing I can do there, unfortunately. Well, no one's called Jeremy that yet, but I suppose that's a fair nickname. <laughs> uh, what is this, Exelon Limited? Because that was a repeating barrage right there, Travis. From off camera. Oh, From downtown. That was that was perfect. Um, I'm really interested to see where doubling season is going to go. I think this is going to be one of the easiest ways to make money on this set is waiting for doubling season two plateau um buying like a couple copies and then just waiting like a year assuming it doesn't get hit again with another reprint like this is just free money uh especially because it's at mythic so we'll see what happens um i didn't have the chance to uh play the pre-release this weekend for battle bond because i decided to literally walk away from magic for a week which was awesome um but we'll be drafting it tomorrow when we get our stuff in to help open packs, and I'll have a better idea of how the set feels then. Um, but compared to Conspiracy, it looks already like the draft format's going to be a lot more fun than just opening like five cards that don't matter um, outside of draft versus if like a casual player is just popping packs for fun, uh, there's going to be way more value in those packs than like five things that say reveal this as you draft uh, in the set. The other thing that's interesting is conspiracy or uh, sorry, Battle Bond is going to soak up a lot of uh, prices compared to Dominaria. People are going to switch over from Dominaria to draft this for a week or two uh, just to try it out. And just like every other Somerset, they're going to get tired of it. They're going to start looking at M19 and prices are going to, or M18, I don't know what we're on anymore. And prices are going to start depressing uh on standard staples as people shift their money over to other things especially on dominaria cards with the restock coming in karn's already starting to fall to fairy has seen some play in modern uh that card has not changed but a lot of the the low end stuff that like is good money as far as flipping fast and like good good holds like gilded lotus and helm of the hosts those are starting to fall a bit and you know, every dime those cards fall is one step closer to me uh, picking up as many as I can essentially for a long-term gain. Uh, what do you, what do you think about it, Travis? Um, I mean, battle bond, you've got some time before you're going to make any purchases, right? Like we're not there yet. I do think doubling season is going to be our best bet. <clears throat> I mean, as those types of casual cards tend to be when they get reprinted, cause you sell, You'll sell five doubling seasons at six bucks a piece and zero at thirty dollars. Um, so there's a lot more room to work with those, but you've got time to kill. Uh, Dominaria, I feel like, is just in a dead zone right now. Uh, there's a lot of cards in Dominaria you might want to think about in October, uh, in like late August, September, but we're not there yet. Um, like Mox Amber is really appealing, but I think you've got some time before you want before you're buying Mox Amber. 
Uh, Karn, if he hits like 25, could be a buy. But again, we're not there yet. The Pro Tour kind of brought is uh, has raised all the prices, so there's there's nowhere to go at the moment. Um, so I think there's opportunities there, but you know we're hitting the summer lull pretty hard here. Jim. Uh, yeah, I agree with most of what you guys are saying. Um, I will say, though, that I purchased some stuff from Dominaria that's, like, on the cheaper end, but, like, things I don't want to wait for that I'd rather play with. So pretty much every card, like, most of the rares and mythics are, like, $2 or less, except for the ones that are very popular and standard. So if you're just a – if you're a standard player and you just, like, want to make, make standard cheaper for yourself, like – there's no reason that you shouldn't own a set of Hinterland Harbors and Clifftop Worksheets. Those are like $2 or less at this point. And if those colors become more popular in the near future, we've seen that standard legal dual lands could be $7, $8 pretty easily if you know it's in the best deck and everyone wants them. That being said, like there's still I think there's still some other things that can be pretty good. You know, red decks are really good right now. A lot of red cards are rotating when um, Ravnica comes out in the fall. You know, maybe it's a good idea to keep your eye on maybe Varex Bladewing. It's a mythic. It's like a dollar. Like it's it's hard to go wrong. It's an easy replacement for cards that are already in that deck. You know, maybe that deck isn't as good as it used to be, but it's hard to lose out in most of these at like a dollar or less or even, like, $2 for a dual land. Like, I can't imagine that's that you could lose any money doing that, especially if you play standard, you know, because the power prices can move so quickly when things get very popular very quickly, you know. Yeah, a lot of what we're talking about is waiting for them to bottom out and then buy them and then wait. But if you play the game and you only want to buy cards that you're going to play with or you want to try to buy cards that you're going to play with but you want to pay the least, the least amount possible, most of the cards in Dominaria are at that point if you play standard. I think one of the other crazy things, um, and I know there's been a lot of talk from other MTG finance personalities about this, is there's only going to be 21 vendors at GP Vegas compared to the infinite amount of vendors that we had last time, uh, where it was literally just like tables and tables and tables of vendors. This isn't that many more vendors than like a large Grand Prix normally has. And by that, I mean like a Grand Prix that has 3,000 people show up versus probably the 10,000 people that are going to be there over four days. Do you really think it's going to be that many? Yeah. Um, that's not a conversation related to finance, though. It's more that... But yeah, so I actually had a... To to think about this, like, a lot of people are going to SCG Con and they're not going to Vegas. And a lot of people are... They're either burnt out on Vegas or for vintage players especially, SCG Con's the better play. But I think just because it's Vegas, you're going to get a lot of people just like last year and like that last week will just go. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised with all the side events and people that just go to Grand Prix that don't actually play in anything that we'll see 10,000 individual people on site, though they may not all be playing in the events. They may just be playing in sides. Uh, I know basically everyone in my group is just going to hang out. Like none of us are playing in anything more than like a three round tournament. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, but the, 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 the thing I want to talk about with that is, and I know, uh, some people have mentioned this elsewhere is you're going to see a lot of people trying to convert 
spiked reserve list cards into staples at this GP. You're going to have a lot of people that haven't been able to make it to a Grand Prix all year and now a school ending or because it's Vegas or because it's SEG Con, they're going to take that random legends bulk rare that's like, not bulk rare, random legends garbage rare that's $20. They're going to take all those and they're going to try to trade those into dual lands. They're going to try to trade those into power. And we've already started to see power correct as Ed predicted as usual, being right on that sort of stuff, uh, power is already starting to correct, and it may just go even crazier after Vegas. But um, it's a leading theory right now that a lot of the garbage reserve list stuff that spiked is going to come down after Vegas because we don't have another surge in demand after this uh, for legacy stuff, especially and for reserve list stuff, and that all the vendors that accumulate this stuff at Vegas. Um, that are basically getting an insane trade-in value for their power and all this garbage, they're going to try to want to dump that right after Vegas. And that's when copies are going to flood the market of all this garbage stuff. So that's something to keep an eye on. I didn't think that this theory held any uh, truth to it until I started getting messages when I was asking about who was going to SCG Con, who was going to Vegas, because a lot of people were like, hey, I have like a Johan or I have a... Uh, Hell's Caretaker from Legends, and do you have dual lands? Do you have bazaars? Can I trade into those? What will you give me for these cards that basically spiked in the last six months and now are worth money? Um, and I'm starting to see more and more of that as like someone who supplies old school to players. Uh, a lot of people are trying to cash out of stuff that spiked recently um, and turn that into either tangible goods, house repairs, or in some cases, people are looking at high-end watches, including some of our listeners uh, and they're trying to convert recently spiked stuff into like watches or something new. Are you counting Ed as our listeners? Because I feel like no. that's, <laughs> that was that remark. <laughs> no, uh, there's there's two people that have directly messaged me saying like, will you buy me a watch for the stack of cards? And it's like, eh, I don't, you know, is it, yeah. is it even worth it at that point? Can I just hand you money and you go do money? You go do what you want with the money. Like, I guess it's fair not to call Ed a listener because I'm sure he's checked out all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Ed, would you like to add anything without trying to kill our listeners? Yeah, can I hand you a stack of cards and you go buy me a watch? No. I can buy you a razor to shave your head after you lose that Bitcoin bet, though. Ah, dear God. I wish there was justice in this world, but yeah. there probably isn't. Travis, right. anything you want to add about like recent trends that you've noticed or like European arbitrage when it comes to this stuff? Mm. <clears throat> I think uh, Ed said it very well on Twitter earlier when uh, Vegas was likely to be sort of the local peak for a lot of these types of things. Um, and that they're probably not going to go down, but they probably will slow down at that point. But I mean, I would be surprised if power was not more... By the time we got to the other side of Vegas, power wasn't worth a good chunk more money still. I think there's still good meat on that bone. Yeah, and full disclosure, like I said, power was going to rise, and I did get power before it started spiking, and then power went up and I cashed out. Um, like, power, obviously, I think at this point is going to go higher, but I don't really have that many pieces that I'm sitting around, like, secretly waiting to make, like, a YouTube video with stacks of power behind me, talking about how it's going to be worth so much. Uh, when demand started accelerating for this stuff and prices went up, I was just like, okay, I'm making... X percentage on these cards and I'm just going to get out and get the cash back uh, in preparation for the summer when prices start dropping and I can afford to essentially buy more things with that same amount of money and get returns on those cards. Uh, so I actually cashed out of a unlimited set of power at a DC. 
And I was just like, oh, these prices are good enough compared to what I paid. I'll take the return and move on. Ed? I, I think that's <clears throat> I think that's probably the most conservative way to look at it. Right? Like if you're <clears throat> Jesus, um, if you're in this and you're trying to build you know, legacy or vintage deck, this is probably a good point to get in now as opposed to later. <clears throat> but anyone who's just looking to sit on this, while you do stand to make a little bit more if you wait out Vegas or you know, wait out until power makes another jump or whatever. Um, you could, but I, I think doing what Jeremy's doing is probably just the best play, especially if you're just looking to turn that money into just more cards. There'll always be a, there's always an opportunity to buy. Um, and you want to make sure that you're not holding cards when you need money, um, as people tend to do in this industry. Um, other than that, I think like I won't be a Vegas this year. I'm kind of intrigued to see how it'll play out. Um, contrary to what Jeremy thinks, I actually think this will probably be like the worst Vegas ever. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I think it's just been increasingly underwhelming every year, and I think with um, with SCG Con being the week before, you just have a lot more people who would opt to go to SCG Con because it's just proportionally so much so many more people live on the east coast versus the west coast and it's unlikely that people are going to double down and just do SG con into vegas um, so and i think looking back at the three major shows or no two major shows we've had two double headers is that where we had seattle and birmingham this year um, we did yeah neither of them were super overwhelming like in terms of like actual attendance numbers I think Seattle had like 1,600 legacy and like 1,200 for standard or something. I don't think Birmingham was like that much better. I actually don't. I don't remember the numbers. I think it was like 1,700 for legacy or something. I was and like, there and it was a pretty small GP. Yeah, and if you compare compare that to London, like in January, London was like I think just over 2,000 people. Um, so. I have I have two thoughts. Uh, one is Ed, you are <clears throat> uh, much closer to the bringing ham side of that than the Birmingham side uh, when you're saying that. Just so you know, uh, the other is I see this Vegas being not like miserable, but not much more than a normal GP. Like no one's really. I mean, people are talking about it on Twitter, but not anywhere near the amount that you saw people talk about it before. There doesn't seem to be anything really cool. Uh, Las Vegas, I think, was was a lot of fun for people that weren't us. Like, I didn't find it to be like. I mean, it was it was a good time, but not because of for me, not because of magic. But I think that it was the closest thing we've had to a magic convention, which connected with, for a lot of people. Um, which is partly what SCG Con is doing this year. It is definitely uh, sucking a lot of the steam out of the sales, the wind out of the sails. A lot of mixed metaphors there. Definitely pulling a lot of the wind out of the sails for Vegas here with SCGCon the week before and kind of giving players that like all inclusive, you know, magic convention experience rather than just like the core event. Uh, so I thought last year's Vegas was probably the best one in terms of like things to do, the space, the just the overall presentation of it. But this year seems like it could be the worst. Uh, or at least, you know, the first one was was cool because it was unique, but this one might be slightly more pleasant than that one, but like no one's going to care because it's not unique or interesting this time. So 
I don't know. I don't know what Wizards has to do to kind of reinvigorate it. Coordinating with Star City so you don't put them on subsequent weekends is probably a good place to start. I think Star City did that on purpose, and I think they have every right to do it. Like oh yeah, because I guess Channel Fireball has Vegas, yeah. right? So like they're just screwing Channel Fireball. Is that no? I I think in almost every scenario, Star City has been a better TO than Channel Fireball. Well, yeah, but I mean, like Star City did it on that weekend specifically to try and steal Channel Fireball's business. I hadn't yeah, thought about I hadn't thought about that. It's a cor- it's probably the correct business decision. They can get way more buys at an SCG con than they can at an open. Yeah, you know, I think I think. I'm thinking about in terms of like Star City and Wizards, but Star City versus Channel Fireball, it actually makes a lot of sense, which is a really unfortunate incentive that they've built. uh, Wizards has managed to build themselves there. And if you look at like the Star City schedule, they like copied TurboTown essentially, uh, which has been like real useful for Eternal players, just being able to sit down and play a game. Um, Like they have similar overhead costs, but like they're just offering so much more than GP Vegas this year in terms of every format. Um, I just think because Vegas is Vegas, just like every Vegas we've seen, people are going to bite the bullet last minute and just be like, all right, I'm going. And then they're going to make a bunch of bad financial decisions in Vegas like they normally do and sell all their cards like the last two days. Um, So like I'm seeing a lot of that on Twitter of people that like bought reserveless cards or bought like extra modern stuff just to have it in their binder versus like complete like, you know, those guys that like they'll buy like four cavern of souls, but then they'll buy like some ether vials just in case they want to build something in, in legacy or modern. And those people are starting to like look at prices and they're like, why am I holding on to these cards? And you're seeing a lot more, especially on Twitter. Cause that's like the primary medium we all use for uh, finance. Like a lot of people are starting to sell stuff. Cause they're like, wait, these prices are stupid. Or like, wait, I have how much money that I've spent in the first six months. Like, because I thought these cards, I didn't want to miss out on like having a card. And um, I'm like, just from my anecdotal view, a lot of people are starting to sell uh, way more than they normally did. And they're trying to recoup that money um, for either like personal use or like if they're speculating on something, they want to get out and have money for the next thing. And that's why even before Vegas, I was like just liquidating some extra stuff while people were still in the buying mode versus they're going to be in selling mode the next couple of months. Yeah, I'm really also disappointed that they decided to do another Vegas after Vegas last year. Because yeah. when it was every other year, it was a lot more special. There's a lot more reason to go out. Yeah. This time, like, I don't really feel any incentive to go. There's nothing really special happening. We went last year. It's not been that long since the last one. So it's harder to get people to come back year after year. And I hope that they take that to heart and just don't do one next year. And they do one every other year after that. But it's really, like, I think that some some of this is also just people might be vaguest out. Like, it's not that special after you've been there once. And going every year can be pretty expensive if you plan on gambling and enjoying Vegas for what it is. It, it really does seem like every, I mean, this is, of course, anecdotal, but everyone I've talked to has been, like, every other year was the exact right number. And uh, every year is way too much. <laughs> For sure. Like, I I didn't really enjoy the last one as much as I did the previous one. I went in 2015 and 2017. 2015, I was definitely more into, like, playing Magic and drafting and the Modern Master stuff. So I understand why I didn't like it as much. Maybe I stayed too long. But this year, like, I don't really... I, I There's nothing There's nothing that's that's appealing to me to go for. Like, even if I get to see my friends there, like, 
if they're going to do Vegas every year, I could probably just also just do that next year, and I don't have to spend the money this year. Well, you know, I respect that as a group, uh, you and I especially are probably less interested in Vegas because we're just not at the same level of engagement with magic as we used to be. Um, and for, you know, a lot of players are not in that situation. They're excited about going and playing. So I get that that's not me. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, is there really that much special stuff going on for those people who want to go and play magic? Uh, I, I, I don't know, but it's definitely feels like it's too much. It's a lot to invest into. I will say the best thing I saw about Vegas is uh, an event that they announced today, which was you can paint with Rob Alexander, and he teaches you how to paint the <laughs> Delta. outside Pluto Delta. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> man, if I wasn't colorblind and I was going to Vegas, that'd be sweet. See, now that's a really great event. There needs to be a lot of that. But you're seeing that more at uh, the Star City convention than you are at uh, Vegas. Like one of the other things that they just announced is there's like a D&D run through sort of thing with Ruben Bressler at uh, at GP Vegas. And like that doesn't cater to Magic players as much as it does D&D players. I mean, those are supposed to supposedly a lot of the same people, but it's not really an event you can participate in, which is part of that problem. Yeah, I agree. Like you painting along at Rob Alexander is really sweet because you literally have a painting to take home with you afterwards. Mm-hmm. You watching Ruben and a bunch of other people play a D&D campaign that's supposed to be like the crew of the Weatherlight is sweet in theory, but like you don't gain anything by being there. Like you could watch it on Twitch and it'd be the same thing. Well, I will tell you that I would rather be dead than watch people play D&D. But isn't that like... Isn't there like a YouTube series of people playing D&D that's like extraordinarily popular? Like they just came out with like season two a couple of weeks ago and like my entire timeline was raving about it the day that it happened. Probably, but I also feel the same way about D&D where like I would never watch anyone play it. I don't like it, it's too slow for me personally to play D&D. So I would never want to watch someone else play D&D. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't like it either, but uh I should say I'm not interested in watching it, but that does seem really popular. And I think there's probably a good market for people who would find it interesting to watch a weatherlight crew at, in D and D world playthrough, especially, especially if they really planned ahead and they set up a like multi, like they're planning on a long seat, like this being an ongoing series. And this is the event that kicks off the Weatherlight D&D session. And they release a new episode like every month. And then at the next Vegas, they can start season two with like doing that again. Like that, like the Vegas events are like their first episode of the new season type of thing that would, could really set up a, a following. And then you could start looping in D&D players. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I don't care. It's not magic. It's D&D. And yeah. Pretty off topic, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah. My, my uh, point, the point I was trying to make was like, it's not in a, a thing that you have to be there to enjoy. Like it is a special thing at, at, you know, GP Vegas, but if you want people to go, you have to give them an experience while they're there that they can't get at home. And that's the thing you can get at home. You could just watch the YouTube video or whatever. Mm. Yep. Well, I mean, I'll be at GP Vegas. I'm the only member of Cartel going besides Doug. Yay. Uh, yeah. 
I don't know. I think you guys are also getting old and like hanging out until like God knows what time in the morning is a lot less fun for you guys because you have wives now and all that other stuff. So how dare you, how dare you accuse me of having a life? I mean, that's what, it, that's what it seems like for like all the original people that went to Vegas 13 and Vegas 15 is like they were like mid 20s like the first time and now they're all like early 30s and they're all old and crotchety. So maybe you know. they were always old and crotchety and you just didn't notice i mean it's been this is 2018 when was the first modern mass when was the first 2013, 13 right five years ago five years yeah so it's a long long time so yep i i just think that like where you should be at if you're into mtg finance as far as investing is like trimming back part of your portfolio and making sure you have money in the bank because a lot of people are going to start mismanaging their bank accounts and funds as we get in towards later in the year uh because their tax return money is dried up or whatever so it's just uh it's a good time to uh sell some stuff at a profit lock in your profit and be ready for when you see a good dealer if someone asks to sell you some stuff. That's uh, that's where I want to be in the back six months. Okay. Another thing oh, I've shoot. noticed moving the topic along is European arbitrage for judge promos. I know Jim's been trying to sell a lot of judge promos lately. Um you can get some competitive rates on just like flipping judge promos on TCG or Facebook. Like, obviously this has been a thing that's been around for a while, but um, I bought like 30 judge Avison angel of hope promos at like $28 each um, from Europe. And they've been selling like crazy on TCG lately. Like, I think I'm down to two copies. Um, it's just like something that, arbitrage exists and it's something you should be aware of and it really isn't that hard to reach out to like any number of like 30 or 40 trusted european people that are willing to ship you cards for a fee or if I, you're you can just fly over there and do it so i can't tell you how amusing it is to hear you say that uh but <clears throat> it is it can be a very effective strategy the the exchange rate's been pretty rough lately uh which is why i've I've halted a lot of that, those operations, um, but they still do crop up. Judge promos are are a little risky because you can really get nailed on those if you're not careful. Remember they did Elish Norn again like nine months later or something like that, which cratered the price. Gadok Teague, I was like cards in the cart, ready to push by, went to a meeting at work and walked back to my computer and saw he was uh, showing up as a judge promo again and was like, oh my God, thank God I didn't buy those because I would have gotten smashed. So like... The judge promos are really good if you catch them like right when they come out or you wait over a year to make sure you're not getting hit by a, a re-release. Oh, if I'm buying a card, I'm trying to flip it as fast as possible normally. Well, which is fair. I mean, that's correct. But just for our listeners, keep in mind that like this is not order on TCG player, get it a week late, you know, three days later and then have it listed, right? Like there can be significant, you know, there can be weeks or even months depending on how you set this up where there's a delay. So just keep that in mind when you're trying to flip stuff. I think it's actually who you know, because there's a pretty big group of like European stores that go to every Grand Prix in America. And you can just be like, hey, can you bring over this? I'm willing to pay this. And then they say, yeah. And like, wow. I, I had a friend who was looking for foil Academy rectors because they had spiked in the US and they were still like 
200 us her near mint overseas and he just like messaged one of the vendors that was going to be at vegas he's like hey you're from europe they're like x over here will you sell them to me for mkm plus like 10 percent?" and they're like sure just pay us and you can pick them up at vegas and so by doing that he successfully saved like 200 dollars a copy by locking it in and just reaching out so that's a really good way to do it if you are know you're going to be at a gp and you can like check the vendor list and find like a European or whatever one, uh, you know, and you can set that up. That works really well, but that also requires that you're going to be at a GP soon or your friend is going to be at a GP soon. Or if you're not going that you can get them to put it in the mail when they're in America. So like you can make that work. Um, but like, it's still, you're st it's still not instantly, right? Like you, you could take, you'd be looking at a GP that's a month or two away and trying to arrange that. So I just want them. There's definitely money to be made on these. I'm just trying to warn our listeners. This isn't just like go to MKM, fire off a bunch of judge promos and count your money. Like there's definitely a lot of factors involved. So just kind of try and keep track of all that going in. And the other thing when you're dealing with arbitrage is you have to make it worth people's time. Like if you see one judge promo you want and it's like $5 cheaper in Europe versus here, a lot of people aren't going to waste their time like getting a $30 card in, repackaging it to ship to you, all that stuff. So you, you have to either find like someone who's trusted and there's a lot of people on Twitter that like do this as like a side hustle on top of like MTG Finance that live in Europe or... Um, uh, like talk to American vendors who are going to European Grand Prix or something like that. Cause like, I mean, even if you need something from Ed, like if you shoot Ed a message this weekend on Twitter while he's in Copenhagen, he'll probably be able to work something out. It's, it's all about who, you know, in this industry. Um, so I'm glad I'm being volunteered for this. Yeah. So if you want to say, if, if you, you want, want to pick up judge promos, Message Ed at Edwin13 on Twitter and be well, like, yo, first, pick up Judge promos. First ask me, because I might have them, and then ask Ed. All right, let's get into viewer questions. So for next week, you guys can uh, you guys can win a free $25 Cool Stuff Inc. gift card. Um, by leaving a comment on Gathering Magic. This week, we're just going to raffle them off from the live stream. And we have three coupons to give away because I forgot to upload the last two episodes to Gathering Magic. So let's uh, let's get into this. Let's reward our people that are commenting live. So the first winner for this week is Ethan Johns. Uh, please message us on Twitter or Facebook at Cartel Aristocrats. He says, if I want to buy a revised Underground C to play with in my EDH deck, would you advise that I buy it while I'm at GP Vegas or should I wait to see if the plateau you are talking about occurs? Hey, Jeremy, I think this is a good question for you to answer. Is it? Hey, is you're, you're the one that uh, that he's asking the question to, basically. Oh. Because um, you made the comment. I don't think buying them at GP Vegas is going to be a good idea. I think you can just get better deals on Facebook. Um, however, if there's a damaged copy of Underground Sea, which is highly likely to be on site at GP Vegas, and you're going to literally put it in your EDH deck, you can probably save like $200 off of TCG uh, because those damaged cases are so lucrative. That's like even Star City's damaged case is really lucrative. And if you find like a damaged or heavily inked Underground Sea, you could just be saving a ton of money and not have to worry about paying like $600 for an Underground Sea or whatever. So if you're looking for damage or plate, I would get it at Vegas. If you're looking for SP or near mint, I would just wait in, until you see a Facebook deal. 
you don't think that you could show up to Vegas and on like what? When does Vegas start? Is it on Thursday again? Yeah, it's, I think it's Thursday. So if it starts on Thursday, you could go around like Saturday morning and be like wave money in people's faces. You know, get that whole uh, that whole they need money thing working for you. No, I I just don't think for an SP or near mint copy, I think vendors are can just afford to sit on them because they've been rising so much that they don't, they won't need the money because they're prepared for Vegas financially versus like if it was the fifth GP and the fifth weekend when no one's managed cash correctly, that's like a completely different story. But I think everyone will be prepared for Vegas now that they've had time off to sell cards. Okay. Um, but it, like you, you always see like inked or like damaged duels, like for low prices at GPs and like, if you're buying one for EDH and you don't really care, like you're going to save so much money compared to TCG that it'll be worth it. So, Ed, do you have anything to add to this? Um, I, I think you're pretty much spot on there. Uh, the problem is that like any sort of like near mint or like reasonably close copy, the vendor, like the buy price is just going to be too high. People are just going to sell it to the vendor instead. Um, so it makes it kind of hard to get that. If you just want one to play, you can usually find like a reasonable deal with, you know, a vendor. Like you don't care if you know yours is like inked around the edges or you know it has like a crease in the corner or something. Um, that's probably it's it's probably reasonable to buy in Vegas. You'll, you'll probably you'll probably be able to work out a reasonable deal. The nice thing about buying in Vegas, if you're getting a, a played copy too, is you can actually like look at it and determine whether or not you you're, you're okay with that level of play, which is usually you know harder to do online. <coughs> and usually, again, vendors will want to work with you because it's just easier to sell it in person if it's like if it's damaged in some capacity or something, rather than trying to have to deal with you know a fraudulent return or someone trying to some neck beard who's just like oh this wasn't damaged like you thought it was i thought that you know like those people are the worst so yep. it's like hey this card's inked it's like oh i didn't realize it was this level of inking like that sort of stuff yep. um, if, if you are to wait though if, if your goal is to not buy in vegas if you want to wait you can probably wait like a month afterwards when kind of summer sales hits their lows and people start you know, getting financially like in financial trouble and people start selling off their stuff. That's probably a reasonable time to buy because that's usually kind of when overstock just starts to flood the market. All right. Next question for our second credit winner of the week, Tom Simons, who I think comments every single week on gathering magic with a question. Uh, we never actually answered uh, this one. So we'll give them a $25 gift card for this week. Uh, he says, question, are you guys going to follow through on my suggestion for the episode 100 show? Bold predictions for <laughs> finance, et cetera. Uh, I'd love to hear this. So he wants us to make bold predictions about MTG finance in the future. I think when he originally asked it, he said bold predictions for 2019 for MTG finance. So Travis, you're real good at hot takes. What do you have? Uh, <clears throat> it's incorrect use of that term. Uh, bold predictions for MTG finance, huh? Mm, bold, bold by what standard? Uh, let's see. Everyone who feels very strongly that legacy is extremely relevant and important, uh, will basically not matter in like maybe five more years. And people will be like, why would people... Legacy will matter a lot less in five years than it does now, and it's already pretty much irrelevant. People will still play it, 
but it's it would be like it, it'll be the equivalent of talking about like vintage moving prices just basically not gonna happen you you think five years mm, yeah roughly okay i think we're pretty much already we're pretty close to being at that point anyways but I think that the team tournaments in the five years will be standard, modern, and brawl. I would probably die if it's brawl instead of legacy. I mean, or it could just be modern, modern, modern. Because, like, realistically, nobody plays standard, nobody plays legacy. I, oh, modern, I'm so modern is everyone's favorite format. So Here's crazy. another one Pro Tours will no longer be individual events. Like, Ooh, you, will good... have, you will show up with a team at every Pro Tour. And not just like, oh, we're all on a team, but all playing individually. Like you will be, you will play as a team. That seems extremely unlikely, mostly because of the cost of flying two additional players for every invite. They'll they'll make it harder. Ed, I would be surprised to see more team events. I think uh, Pro Tour Twenty Five is going to be a complete massacre. I don't know what it's gonna look like, but I feel like it's gonna be a complete massacre, and I don't think they're that's something they're gonna, gonna do again. What does that I'll, mean? I'll be there, so we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure like what can go wrong, but I feel like it's something that's going to just go very wrong. Well, I've already put my hot take out on Twitter, but I am pretty sure that uh, Pro Tour 25th anniversary is going to have the largest number of DQs for counterfeit cards. Yeah, that's a that's probably correct. I agree with you there. Uh, wait, say that again. The largest that, number of DQs at a at, pro tour. Oh no, no, specifically for counterfeit yeah. cards. Yeah, because that is a team that is a uh, team constructed tournament where everyone has every team has to play one modern deck, one standard deck, one legacy deck. Right, is the only time they'll ever do a legacy pro tour, and I have a feeling that a lot of people will bring counterfeit cards either intentionally or unintentionally and they will get dq'd for it ed do you have a hot take or bold prediction uh, i i foresee a new format i i foresee like a frontier s format oh I is that even hot i don't know i think it's one of those things where people i i think it's kind of like in the forefront of people's minds I think we're at the point where, like, there's just so many players who have, like, post-Cons era cards. I mean, at this point, Cons is, is but, like, it's more than three years old at this point. Right? That's probably where, like, a lot of newcoming Magic players, that's probably where the majority of their collection will buy. Um, even with, like, even with, like, two Master sets since then, I think it's still pretty hard for people to get into Modern. Um, I think that's further accentuated by, like, some of these Modern cards that we're still waiting to see reprints on. Uh, that just kind of like become pretty elusive and pretty hard to get, or like when there's just new interactions that come up. Like I don't think you know Goblin Lore. That I don't think it's on Wizard Radar, um, and I like we don't even know when the next like Master Set is coming yet. Um, well, the, the real kicker is that Wizards isn't making money on Modern anymore. Like the the utility of that format to Wizards as a business vector is less, right? So like. That's why they put modern in the place because they weren't making money and extended, and they need to get get that juices flowing again. So they'll just do it again. That I think that's that's a pretty reasonable thing to expect. And like in so doing, right? If they did like a post cons or if cons was included, for example, right? That gives them an avenue to actually 
like reprint that like color fetch lands without having to shoehorn it to a standard set or something. Oh God, if they're smart, they wouldn't include cons and they just won't do fetches at all. We'll see. Um, I think by 2020, booster packs will be $5 MSRP and Tarmogoyf will be $25 by 2020. Seems reasonable. I think that they're going to be like, hey guys, we're changing our uh, car card stock because we've been locked into this bad contract for bad paper. But in order to do that, you're going to need to, you're going to need to pay more. Uh, but we're going to be honoring you guys with the MSRP increase by putting Tarmogoyf back in at Mythic when the demand hasn't really changed for that card. So I think if Tarmogoyf is like buy listing for like $40 on most average buy lists and like you can get them for like 50 to 55 that they're going to hit it again and it's just going to keep going down. Well, if you think <clears throat> Ed is right, they don't even need to reprint Tarmogoyf. They're just going to make a new format that Tarmogoyf isn't legal in and it won't be worth right. owning it anymore. Yeah, but I think I think $5 booster packs are coming sooner than later just because they've had the price point stable for so long. Does that matter though? Yes. Uh, based on all my sales, gas prices are always linked to card price sales and gas prices are going up and eventually Wizards is going to feel the, the squeeze on prices rising from gas prices on like a macro level and they're going to increase uh the price of booster packs but haven't the last couple of price increases been only at uh wholesale level and not at retail yeah, level but, sh but shops have to raise it to make a profit and we haven't seen msrp on packs change for almost like 10 years at this point i think so it's coming like since the recession booster prices packs have not uh, MSRP of packs have not changed. And I think like in 2020, they're going to be like, look, we need to raise the price of booster packs. And like, there's a point at like shops cannot make money uh, still selling packs at $4 and like keep their doors open. Like, sure. It's like a 50% profit, but you have to sell enough packs to make money. Do shops know? really even sell packs for $4? Like yeah. MSRP yeah. is not really something that, most places charge other than like Walmart or Target. No, shop, a lot of shops definitely sell loose packs at $4. Yeah. Like that three for 10 is only something that happens in a lot of big cities. Outside of that, almost everywhere it's universally $4 in the Midwest. Yeah, if even you, in Buffalo, I'm packs. If you buy loose packs, you're paying four bucks yeah. for the standard set. There's no reason for shops to charge less than $4 if there's less than four shops in the area in like a 30 minute radius because. They can all charge the they can all charge the same amount, just like airline flights, and none of them have to go lower, because it's like a it's like a monopoly that they're all agreeing to charge MSRP. So just so everyone who might be curious wants to know, the last time they changed the Brewster Pack price was in September of two thousand and six. It's actually been twelve years since they've oh, increased the. Price I thought it was too late, but I I just think it's coming. I think a lot of people are going to complain about it. I'm sure some YouTubers with a beard is going to complain about how Wizards is killing the game, but uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, they're they went to from three sixty nine to three ninety nine in September twenty two thousand six. What were you like forty then? In 2006? Yes. I don't think I had graduated elementary school yet. Oh. 
All right, and then I'm let's the get in. One. <laughs> <laughs> and then let's get into our last credit winner of the week. Um, let's see who I want to pick. Do to do to do. Um, that guy, no, that guy, no. Uh, Colin Myrovitz asks, when is the right time to buy and then sell Battle Bond Rares and Mythics, and will it be different for foils? That's a good question. Well, then why don't you answer it, Ed? That's what you're paid to do. Um, <laughs> is he? <laughs> I'm, I'm actually kind of stumped here. I'm actually not sure what the trajectory looks like. Um, I think with the initial wave, you'll have a lot of them hitting the market. Um, like, I think, like, most, most of the reprint cards, they'll just kind of fall like a normal price trajectory. Uh, there'll be just kind of an initial surge of uh, cards that just hit because people are opening them. All the excitement is around. Uh, once they start selling, uh, the price will just slow at bottom, and then those eventually start rising. The only difference is that there's little reason for people to continue to open Battle Bond past, I don't know, the end of June, because that's when the buzz for Corset 2019 starts. All these, all these different products are coming. Along. It's just going to kind of, it's, it's, it's just going to, um, it's just going to kind of like just push sales for Battle Bond by the wayside. And I think like by the time like. August rolls around like it'd be a miracle if anyone ever bought a battle bond booster, um, and that's that kind of, that's kind of what leads to like the conspiracy effect. Um, that being said, I think like some of the more sought after foils, um, like the partner planeswalkers, uh, true name nemesis, the mythics like doubling season, I think most of those will stay relatively high. Um, being maybe because they're so rare, and if there's actually a card like a Leobold or like a Sanctum Prelate S card that just kind of blows up Legacy or something, then like those will obviously just be million dollars. Um, like for Leobold is, I don't know, it's been so long since I've even seen one available for sale. It's probably like four hundred dollars at this point, at least or something. Yeah, I think they're three thirties. Yeah, like a high end page. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's kind of where Battle Bond is. I'm just going off of the assumption that it operates in a similar fashion to like Conspiracy 2 and kind of the weird like summer type sets uh, that they seem to come out with every, every year or so. Wow, Travis, thanks for the clicks. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know about Battle Bond. I think Ed has the best idea of what's going to happen with that. So I, I don't have anything to add to that question. I think Ed nailed it. I, I, I think I think if you are looking for like an odd foil, like you want like that full diabolic intent with like the new art or full doubling season or something, you're probably kind of just best off trying to buy it as soon as one hits a market because as more and more people open them in kind of this initial surge, the price will drop, but they won't drop too much because, you know, these, these cards are, like, the foil commander cards are always going to be sought after. Um, I'd probably just buy the ball right away. The Trudy Nemesis is the one that I'm kind of intrigued about. Obviously, this is the first time foil. It's been long overdue for reprint. It has the same art, uh, so I'm not really sure what to make of that one. Like, Star City is selling it right now for 150 or something. I saw some on the high-end Facebook page for like 150, 180. The, 
the question was when to sell Battlebond or buy Battlebond? Both. Again, like I, I, if there's something you want, I'd probably just pull the trigger as soon as it becomes available, probably like around Vegas or so. Give it a Isn't week. It, it's normally about six months, right? Six to nine months for these types of things. Yeah. Uh, it is, but most of those sets generally are open for longer. I think like just the lifespan of conspiracy type sets like Battle Bond, I just don't think it's there for for like six months actually. Uh, for it to actually make it to six months. I gotcha. I think that that seems pretty fair, uh, especially because it doesn't seem probably doesn't have quite the lasting appeal. And lasting uh, <clears throat> is a relative term, but like conspiracy seems like it could have remained novel for longer than Battle Bond. Yep. All right. Well, our winners from the live stream this week, please message us on Facebook or Twitter at Cartel. Aristocrats will get you your free $25 gift codes. If you want to win next week's credit, just simply leave a comment on the Gathering Magic episode number 101. Uh, I believe number 100 drops on Gathering Magic tomorrow, which is a uh, Wednesday, the 6th. And then on uh, Friday, this episode should come out. So you should leave a comment then and we'll pick someone to win the credit for next week. So don't forget to do that. Um, anything else you guys want to add? We've been going for quite some time. No, but Battlebond looks sick. Um, there's definitely some foils I want to pick up. And uh, if you're looking for legendary creatures, don't wait because you'll end up looking like the foil Selvala from Conspiracy 2. That card's like infinite more dollars than it probably should be. Yep. All right. Where can people find you guys? Uh, I'm at Edwin13 on Twitter. I will be in Copenhagen this weekend. That will be in Las, uh, no, not Las Vegas. I'll be in Japan next weekend and then Pittsburgh the weekend after that. My name is Jim Casal. You can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore. You can find my articles on Gathering Magic usually every other week. And... Um, I guess you can find me at GP Orlando if you decide to go to that. In I am October. <laughs> it's in October, Jim. No, it's in August. That's too far away. They have two That's months. That's next month. Oh no, it's June. No, no, it's two months. Yeah, you're right. I like. Where did you go to school, Missouri? Come on, man. No, you did. <laughs> it's also important to note that Taylor Swift will be performing on Tuesday after GP Orlando. Which is why I'm probably in Orlando. I was about to say, are you going to that concert? Ed? I think that's the most likely outcome. They'll actually like line up with like a GP plus concert, so that one will probably be the one I go to. But I'm not too keen on. I'm not too keen on going to Orlando and or Florida in August. Use NS sentence. Just not too keen on going to Florida. <laughs> Travis, where can people find you? I am on Twitter at Wizard and B U M P I N. I write every Monday for MTG Price. Uh, and I also do the podcast MTG Fast Finance, and this little guy is my new puppy. Thanks for looking at him. Uh, he does not have a name yet. So, I'm Jeremy. You can find me at GP Vegas next week as the only member of Cartel besides Doug to be there. Uh, I'm a big, tall, bald guy walking around, pretty easy to find. Um, you 
we're what do i have anything to plug oh yeah i'm uh i'm running a modern 5k tournament and i hate modern but i'm running the tournament anyway uh the pro some of the proceeds go to charity uh a portion of our sales from the booth go to charity as well it's the cancer research institute uh that's on july 14th in the great state of missouri in st louis douglas johnson from brainstorm brewery will again be working for me as my uh cardboard monkey for the weekend um so if you want to play modern or come and sell me some cards, I'd be happy to set something up with you guys. Uh, as I know a lot of listeners went to the last legacy event. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the event's going to be capped at 275 players as well for modern. So we'll see how many people turn out. Uh, you can find all that on Facebook at Moonbase Market. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thanks for listening to Cartel Aristocrats number 101. You can find us on SoundCloud, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter at cartel underscore finance, and we'll see you guys next week. Have a good one and bye-bye.